It is my privilege to introduce my wife, Prophet Leslie Johnson. She's going to be speaking this morning on error in the Hebrew roots. And uh, Prophet, uh, 22 years, senior prophet, does all sorts of things. Lord, I ask you to give her your anointing. And you would give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding in what she's saying. And that we would not fall into any error in our walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you. You know, I love the anointing. Those of you that feel the anointing from time to time is very addicting, right? It's like you want to stay in that, and, but you got to be careful, obviously. All right, so I'm, I'm going to continue on the air and the Hebrew Roots movement. Uh, this is one of those controversies out there, I think, in the, amongst the Christians. They want to be more like the Jews. And I'm saying we need the Jews to be more like Christians, more like the believers. But there's some problems, there's some error, especially in the Hebrew Roots movement, along with Messianic Jew movement. So just be aware of if you're, if you're in that arena, that you're not one that is following. For example, we're going to talk about the Zohar this morning, because that's the Jewish mysticism book. And we don't want to be mysticism and Christianity do not go together. They don't flow together. Same like with the, or secret societies. And it's the same thing like with the Kundalini and the Shekinah and all this. If you're around anybody that talks about the Shekinah glory, it's just awesome. You need to have my teaching, if you don't know the truth about it, to explain to them what's wrong. And I do have a book even on it, DVD on it. It's uh, called Shekinah, Not Right. Um, it'll explain a lot of things, but we want to stay away from those, those type of gatherings because it's very easy to fall into the trap. And I really, I have a hunger and thirst for people to know the truth, for God's people to know the truth. You know, the truth says it'll make you free. You know, sometimes we say it'll set you free, but it's going to make us free. It'll make us. We want more truth all the time. It'll make, that's what happens when you seek truth. But I found out early on in our ministry that even though people say they want the truth, they really don't, you know? Truth really does hurt. It really does. You have to make changes. You have to correct your ways of thinking sometimes, uh, the ways of doing things, hanging out with some people sometimes. So it really does hurt. But we're going to talk about the Jewish mystical book, Zohar. I'm going to be explaining some things in the Zohar, not to teach you the Zohar, but for you to have a little bit more understanding of the, of the severity and the error of those that teach about the Zohar in the Hebrew Roots Movement so that you get away from it, all right? So I'm not teaching Zohar. I'm just going to have you have a little bit more understanding. I have to, I have to it's kind of like the Kundalini. I have talked about some of the Hindu gods to understand the Hindu or the, the Kundalini. Same thing. All right, so the Zohar. This, this is the ancient one from Wikipedia. It says, that the most powerful effect of this particular name of God stems from the Jewish mystical book, the Zohar, the seminal document of Kabbalah that emerged in the 13th century Spain. Kabbalah, there's one, there's mention of the Ancient of Ancients and the Holy Ancient One, unmanifested, which cannot be explained, the Godhead. Ancient of Days is, an, is the manifestation of the Ancient of Ancients within creation. And some of this is like, doesn't even make sense to us, right? That's okay. The most primary ancient source of creation in the divine. Anytime you hear the word divine, you're looking at something that's probably new age. And if my, did that get turned off? I need to turn it back on. The van, the fan. 
Now, sometimes people say, well, you've just got this beautiful aura about you. So you mean I have the countenance of Jesus on me? That should be your comment back to them, right? Because if they're starting to talk about aura, then they're talking about something mystical, right? They're talking about something pagan. They're talking about new age. And so you don't want to be, no, I don't have, I have, you're being drawn to Jesus that lives inside of me. I don't have an aura about me, all right? Uh, anyway, there, I want you to kind of remember some of these words I'm saying because there is a teacher out there, calls himself a rabbi, calls himself a prophet, America's prophet, and you're going to get some bubbles burst this morning, and I praise God for that, um, so that you can see that some of the words he uses you need to be aware of. This aura, which is, comes from the mystical book of Zora, Zohar, in the descending realms, the Golgotha, the skull, the skull, or the keter wheel, which means the crown, the top, becoming the origin of the lights of the world. Uh, and, I'm, and I'll just apologize right off the bat. I'm not going to pronounce a lot of these words right, and I don't really care. But you can see how they're spelled. Okay. The lights of the world of Atzutlet. The image of a crown, which suggests an aura surrounding one's consciousness, or the crown of them. So they're very big into the mysticism and the New Age stuff. And so we don't allow that to come talking about at our pulpits. You know, you don't share, Christian churches should not share with, uh, with uh, like, anything with Islam. You know, if, even just to save, like, expenses or Buddhists to come into your church. Because if they're on your pulpit, guess what's still around? Pretty soon, you know, if you have somebody come in and teach, uh, that are, they're speaking the pagan to your congregation, then it's going to be transferred to them. So these are just some of the, the colors they say they see and what they mean. I don't care. Um, so uh, this is the Zutlith, or the Zutlith, also a Zutlith, <laughs> from Wikipedia. This word, literally the word of emanation, is the highest of four worlds in which exists the Kabbalah tree of life. So where we heard like the tree of life, and we, we, we you know, the, yes, it's in the Bible, but they also talk about it in the Zohar as if it's something that they've created. Uh, the Bariah also follows it, known as the world of emanations or the world of causes or the world of creation. In the Kabbalah, each of the Sephiroth in this world is associated with the name of God, and it's associated with the suit of wands in the tarot. So then we have the tarot cards, Right? So we have mysticism. So then we have Christians out there. If you're in the Hebrew Roots Movement, you need to understand where your teachings are coming from. Because their whole goal is to get you to believe that you're a god. That's where it's headed. Uh, if you look at your Ace of Wands here. Are, are you on, honey? Okay, see your Ace of Wands? Is he on? Mic on? Can't hear him. Uh, see, if you'll notice there, there's there is the oh, yeah. the number of the beast six 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 six. Now, why would that be on there? Hmm. Hmm. That's a good question. All right. In the Zila world, the Shekinah alone rules. These, the word even Shekinah, it's not mentioned in the Bible at all. But it's, it's the he, there's, they say it's the Hebrew word for the she. They're trying to make it's the father, son, the mother. Uh, they're trying to make it the, the feminine part of God. So we've got a big error when you start talking about Shekinah. I even knew someone 
years ago that named their last child, their last daughter, Shekinah. And I'm like, change the name, man. <laughs> what do you do? Change the name, Shekinah. Shekinah not right. So a lot of these churches out there, you'll see the name on there, Shekinah Glory, this, you know, come to the Shekinah house. And um, Can I mention names? I'll just mention a first name. So a lot of people, especially prophetic, yeah, what name? Prophetic um, people, they can get caught up in listening to a lot of different places. But if there's one person named Sid, and he has a lot of mysticism in his allows allowed in his ministry, so don't have to get mad at me. This is one of those things. Truth will make you free, right? Okay. So just don't be just don't be stupid. Don't you know, be just be wise. That's for the wisdom of God every day. That's what you've got to do, right? Um, so the the Bariah world are the throne of God and the souls of the just under the dominion of Akatriel, which is the crown of God. Now, see, you can already tell we can start kind of me anyway. I can start getting kind of confused. Confusion is the enemy. Okay. Uh, Yisrael world are the holy creatures, or the hayot of Ezekiel's vision, and the ten classes of angels ruled over by Metatron. Heard of Metatron? Metatron is a mystical angel. Uh, it's a fallen angel. It's a demonic angel. All right. So you don't want to be be underneath or listening to anybody that's teaching about the Metatron or the Zendolphin. We'll, we'll find out here in just a minute. Those are fallen angels. The Zion world are the Ophanim, which is the wheels, the chariots, and the angels that combat evil governed by Zendalphon, which is another fallen angel. This is just a picture they have on the internet, like the Metatron, the Zendalphon. Um, <coughs> I talk about them, I think, in one of my error DVDs. Mm, probably the one about the Kundalini, I think. All right, so Zohar, ancient one from Wikipedia, still goes on. Zohar goes into great detail describing the white head of God, its anthropomorphic or the human-like personality or attributes. The concealed brain, the chakma wisdom. In other words, they're gonna, it's going to get to a point where they're going to say they are the only ones that can have wisdom if they study Zohar and reach to the end where they have now become a god. And that's what they're designed for all of you to do. They put you underneath them. And so a lot of people, even in the Hebrew roots movement, you know, they say, you can't say the name Jesus, you're, you know, you're worshiping a pagan God. And I go, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's what my answer is, right? I, don't, I said, you can say Yahweh, you can say Messiah, you can say Yeshua, I'm Shia. I, that's fine with me. It doesn't offend me at all. But I'm glad my name Jesus offends you because obviously you need to accept the true Jesus Christ, right? So, I mean, there are people there, even the Muslims can say Jesus, but it's not our Jesus, but as Christians, as believers, you know who your Jesus is, right? So don't get caught up and you have to say it this way and that way. Because then again, you, you've got a lot of error. And there's nothing more powerful than the precious name of Jesus. Okay. The digna, the beard, constricts the infinite light originating from the attic, the yeoman, in 13 channels. Uh, verification to lower relatively finite reality. The Merkabah text identifies the Ancient of Days as the Metatron. Again, they're trying to get you back to believing in the fallen angels as if they're the angels of God. That's what they're trying to get you to do. They're trying to get you to follow the demonic. They're trying to get you to finally 
uh, follow after Lucifer. That's what they're really trying to get you to do. And then 13 channels. I mean, that all already tell you some of the secret society problems out there. The Metatron represents Kether, the crown, on the Kabbalah's tree of life. This is a picture of what they have, like when they're studying about the, the tree of, their tree of life. The Archangel Metatron oversees the Sephirot called Ether, Kether, the crown. And then they say the energy flows down to all the other parts of the tree of life. Same thing when, it, when we talk about the Kundalini, how that's, that energy travels up the spine, right? And it, you, you're in yoga positions. You're actually bowing to other gods if you're doing yoga. There's not Christianity in yoga. You can't say Christian and yoga in the same sentence. They don't go together. You can't have churches that's, that are practicing yoga and because it's in a church Well, we Christianized it. You're still bowing down to another god. That's what you're doing if you're doing yoga and those positions. So stop doing that. Okay? And you're trying to get the, 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 you know, the more you're in it, they're trying to get this, to say this energy to flow through you. Now, there's teachers out there that teach on, you know, this energy that comes in. So be aware. Just be aware. So anyway, energy flows down to all the other parts of the tree of life. The Metatron supervises the entire tree of life and its cosmic energies. This is in the Zohar. So if you have someone teaching out of the Zohar, they are believing about the cosmic and this life to come that's not of Jesus, right? They're, they're trying to say that, um, again, the divine, that, you know, we all become one, we'll become a god ourselves. Not true. Um, the Metatron sits with Shekinah. This is what they say in the Zohar. The believers in the Zohar, the Tree of Life, and the Kabbalah, Metatron helps all of creation maintain the proper balance of spiritual energy. <coughs> Excuse me. You'll get pagan worshipers, um, New Age worshipers, uh, the, the Kabbalists, uh, those that do yoga, those that um, do the Reiki and all kinds of different things out there, they are trying to get an energy to come in. Well, what is that energy? It's demonic. It's a demon. You're really going to open up yourself to let demons come in? Can Christians have demons? Yeah. Yeah, we gotta, we got to get rid of them, right? Okay. So, Metatron sends energy down the tree of life all the way to the archangel Sandalphon. So, they're trying to say from, from this demonic force to this demonic force, it's going to flow all the way down. Well, I don't want to have anything to do with it. I said last time, last week, um, that, you know, we, we've, had, we've had Bible study services. We've had services on Friday night, sundown. Been married since 38 years. So, 38 years. And, you know, so people can't say, we don't worship on the Sabbath. But to me, you know, to keep, keep the Lord holy on the Sabbath, I keep him holy every day. Right? But they, you know, then you have these, these um, Messianic Jews come in and say, well, Leslie, you've got to cover your head, and you've got to pray into the candle, and then you've got to do like this with, you know, to bring the light back in because you snuffed it out because you're a woman, and you've got to, you know, bring it back in. A lot of horrible rituals, lies. Well, I, I never would do it. I said, I can't, I, I'm not going to do it. I'd start to, and I was like, Stan, I can't do this. So then don't do it. I mean, I felt so wrong about it. Well, anytime you're lighting a candle, you're praying in the candle, doing something with a candle, the flame, then that's, that's 
cabal. What'd you say? Both. So that's Baal, which is in the Kabbalism, which is in the Messianic Jews, the Hebrew Roots Movement. So you're worshiping Baal, really, is what you're doing. Um, an angel who is often considered to be Metatron's spiritual brothers, Sandalphon. The, then the Shekinah, or that they're saying, the female part of God reflects that energy back up the tree again. So the spiritual energy is constantly flowing between God, angels, and people. God, angels, people. This flow like this. And there's a minister out there. I think we had him on years ago until we realized what he was really saying, and we don't care his stuff, and I can't remember his name now. If it comes to me, I'll tell you who it is. But um, that taught all this energy that has to come from God. You can feel his energy flowing all the way back up like this. It's this flow. That's a problem. That's not how Christianity works, okay? And again, if you get into the spiritual realm too long, you can start sensing that. And when you're in the spiritual realm too long, it becomes addicting. Guess what's in the spiritual realm? It's not just the angels of God. Demons are there. And you're going to start listening to demons thinking you're hearing from God. And you won't be able to discern which way it is. So be careful. Uh, be careful, prophecy students. I have heard ministers talk about this very thing regarding the spiritual energy. is constantly flowing between God, angels, and people. They talk about the supernatural. This is spiritism. It's mysticism. It's Lucifer's entrapment. It's a trance that they want to put you in at its core. That's what they want to do. They, some even ministers will have you lay down on the ground and just let that energy, just feel that energy flow. Do you feel it flowing up and down your, from your spine and your belly? Can you feel it right here? Can you sense that light that's right here? They'll, that's what they'll say to you, right? They'll say, this, they'll say this to you. Oh, yes, I feel that. You are just trapped. You've just opened a major door, and it's time to start all over with the Lord if you need to. I've had people with, with the Kundalini spirit, many been set free, but some say, I don't, you know, I, that means I have to start all over with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes, the true baptism of the Holy Spirit, because you've been operating under a Kundalini spirit. Why would you want that? But they don't want to give up that power. Give it up. Why? Why have a... You know, opportunity to go to hell when you can come back to salvation, right? And have search for eternal life. I mean, you know, did I? The reason I could teach on some of this stuff is because not. The, I mean, God opened my eyes to this some, some of this kind of stuff. But staying in the spiritual realm did it, and then I realized, oh, this isn't right. I gotta let my people know. Right? I'll let them know. So don't be caught up in the lie of Satan's trap. Reiki, Reiki, excuse me. Satan wants to deceive the Lord's people, especially those that are watchmen, prophecy students. If Satan gets you believing the lie, the rest of society are easy. Even say this, acupuncture. That doesn't come from our God. It comes from an Easter religion. You're allowing demonic forces in your life. Well, it's the only thing that helped. Well, Seek more for the Lord to help you, to minister to you, to heal you, because you're opening the door. Anybody, amen out there? Yes. You still love me? You know, it's like I got to get up and say, because they love you. I said, because I make them tell me they love me. <laughs> I have to hear it, right? Abomination or spiritism is forbidden. Deuteronomy 18.9. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God hath given thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his sons or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, 
or consult her with the mere spirits or a wizard or a necromancer. For all that do these things are abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. For these nations which thou shalt possess, hearken to observers of times and unto diviners. But as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee to do so. He says it's an abomination unto him. Now, there's teachers out there that are going to say, if you eat pork, that's an abomination to him. It's not. It's an abomination to your body. It's just not healthy for your body. You're not going to hell if you eat pork. Right? <laughs> Set somebody free. <laughs> that one piece of bacon you ate, you're not going to hell. <laughs> However, it is an abomination unto your body. It's just that it's not healthy. I love shrimp. Don't eat it often. But I know that I'm putting some in, something in my body that's not going to be really healthy for me. But it's not displeasing to my God. He just warns us about that. But an abomination... Of these sorts is an abomination unto God. That's different. So necromancy. A practice of magic involving communication with the dead, either by summoning their spirits as apparitions, visions, or raising them bodily for the purpose of divination, imparting the means to afford to help future events, discover hidden knowledge to bring someone back from the dead. You see, the devil mimics what God does, right? He does. So we have... The consultors and the mediums, the clairvoyants out there, they're even on TV. You have commercials, you know, I call the, uh, uh, what's the hotline, the psychic hotline. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's only a dollar a minute, you know. Don't get caught up in these kinds of lies, you know, you young Christians specifically, because they'll want to entrap you. That's what the devil wants to do. To where you're even trying to read your horoscope. Horoscope. That's just a small part of what their big picture is. Um, but it's necromancy. We don't want to be in the, doing that. All right. So the ancient one of the Zohar. So they say it's the white head of God, the Golgotha, the skull, the crown, becoming the origin of the lights of the world. Anytime you hear the word, you gotta be careful. The light of the world. You know the uh, he's he's gonna take you into the light. Um, um, the light has appeared, you know, things like this. It's not, not God. It's, 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 it's in a new age term. Concealed brain, the chakma wisdom, the beard constricts the infinite light to lower relatively the finite reality. I know this is kind of like confusing, but I want you to hear some of this stuff because in a minute there'll be a video and it's going to come back to you. Oh. The Merkabah text identifies the Ancient of Days as the Metatron. Again, the fallen angel. So they're really worshiping a fallen angel. Man, he can spot these things, I tell you. Well, the 666 along the bottom. Did you see that? Yeah, the Mason symbols in there too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Merkabah uh, mysticism or the chariot mysticism is the school of the early Jewish mysticism, 100 BCC, BC, which they say now. But it's centered on visions such as those found in the Book of Ezekiel, chapter one, or in the Hecalot, the palaces literature concerning stories of ancients to the ascents to excuse me to the heavenly palaces and the throne of God. So they're trying to say that this the Ezekiel chariot. <laughs> <laughs> that took him to heaven, they make it mystical. That's what they do. Um, the Zohar, a, a medieval mystical work, ten facets of the divine, and she, the Shekinah, 
She is the tenth and final one closest to the created world. So there's, they're getting you back to believing, you know, they'll get into here a little bit about the, the son, <coughs> with the father, the son, and then Shekinah. Can I have some water? Um, Uh, the Shekinah, she's a mystical embodiment of the feminine earth-centered Mother Earth, uh, presence of God, and was also called the Bride of God, the Sabbath. That's why they want to worship on the Sabbath. That's really who they're worshiping, is they're re really worshiping Shekinah. The Torah, the moon, the earth, and the apple orchard. Mysticism depicts the Shekinah as female, but she can be both female and male. Symbolize her as Rachel, the wife of Jacob and mother of the Israelite nation. And David, the shepherd, psalmist, the king of Israel. She kind of welcomed the new moon, dwell in the harvest booth called the Sukkah. So we, we've got some uh, definitely pagan worship out there, but we've got mysticism that's come into the church. We've allowed it to come into the church because we haven't done our studies. We, that's why I'm giving this to you. You can do further study on it, and I encourage you to do so. Try to prove me wrong. You won't, but I... But, you know, you just got some people that are in this, they just rather have the blinders up than to take them down, repent, and really truly ask Jesus back into their life and do the works of the Lord. Um, ancient, this came from ancient origins, from the Zohar, Kabbalism. Remember the same. So remember this is what I'm trying to tell you. Remember these words, because you're going to hear them in a minute. In the Golgotha sit the 13,000 myriads of worlds which move on feet and lean on them. So they have a myriad of worlds. That's what the Kabbalists worship. Well, this is the same thing with the Buddhists too. These worlds suffuse the ten directions. The millions of world, worlds interpenetrate one another and each world contains billions of others. Billions more contained within each atom of each world. And these are, you can see where these quotes are from. Awareness of the sheer scope and number of the myriad worlds is said to be suitable knowledge for those who have reached a certain spiritual maturity. They're trying to say you're not mature enough, you're not, you haven't reached the spiritual maturity if you're just a believer in Jesus. Matter of fact, they're going to say you're worshiping a pagan god, many. All right? That's what they're going to say to you. So they're going to try to put you under them. They're trying to say you've you got to reach this spiritual maturity and who are ready for the higher understanding or of a larger system of cosmology. As a, as a result, the mind breaks out of the cage of fixed concepts of definite space and existence and enters the open space of myriad worlds without beginning or end. What they really want to do is have you basically blank your mind and allow these other thoughts to come in, allow these demons to come in to control your life, control your thoughts, therefore you're worshiping Lucifer. That's his goal. Uh, they're saying they're really waiting for us to evolve. Therefore, this affirms for me that the other beings in our galaxy are indeed waiting for us earthlings to mature out of our fear of anything and anyone different and expand our consciousness to embrace a much larger view of the universe. So they're trying to, again, they're trying to make this connection that, that all of it comes back, centered back around to worshiping their God, which is not our God. It's still the same alive from the devil, just like the Kabbalah Jewish mysticism. In the Golgotha sit the 13,000 mirrors of words which move on feet and lean on them. Okay. And then and from that, so I want you to remember this too. And from that Golgotha dew drips upon him who is outside and fills his head every day. 
Remember about the do. Doesn't make sense to us, but in the Hebrew Roots movement, it does. It's not God. Uh, and from that do, which he who sits outside shakes from his head, the dead will awaken in the world to come, as it is written, for a dew of light is thy dew, and the earth shall bring forth the shades. Now, what is, I, what is Isaiah 26, 19 talking about? Really, God is telling us to pray. It's not trying to say that that means that that dew is representing God, which is what they say. That dew is the light of the pale glow of the ancient one. So we've got to be careful. Some of these words, they're taken out of Bible, and they're also used for New Age and paganism, and we can't let them intermingle together. That do is the light of the pale glow of ancient one. That is not a reference to our God, by the way. And from that do exists the super, supernal or the celestial saints. This is what they're saying. So from the Zohar, they're looking to the celestial beings. We don't look to the celestial beings. We know that they're fallen angels, right? Uh, saints, and it is the man of which they grind for the righteous in the world to come. And that dew drips down to the field of the sacred apples. So this came out of the Zohar. This is a quote from the video message, The Zohar Speaks. Neither one deals with sin or fallen nature, the reason for redemption, or the painful cost paid by Jesus. So this came from The Zohar Speaks, which you'll see part of that here in a little bit. In the Golgotha sit a, a thousand of myriad worlds, and from the Golgotha drips, drips dew, and the dew fills the world, and the dead will awaken in the world to come as the dew comes forth. The dew is the lights of the Ancient One. Sounds so inviting. Not to me, but... It can sound so powerful because you don't even know what they're saying. <laughs> right? Well, they must know a lot because I, you know, they must be so close to God. You know, if you start, if you start feeling that something, Lord, you know, I don't feel right about this person. And they're sounding so right on with God. And you still think, I just don't feel right. Lord, get thee, you know, Satan, get thee behind me. Right? You've done that before? Get thee behind me. Man, I just don't feel right about them. Well, you know, maybe the Lord's trying to tell you something. Okay? So, just like David E. Taylor. Ugh. You know, we had him on our, with the ministry with the Prophets Club. He's one we will speak by name. Don't follow after David E. Taylor. He's a lying, lying, fill in the blank. So, he, but he, he is very evil to the core. Seemed very, very powerful. Seemed like there were people that were getting healed and miracles taking place. You know that the devil will heal, do miracles to get you to follow after him. You know that, right? It does. That's, he will do that. It sounds very inviting. But I, Leslie Ann and I, she was very young. We were just, we were just picking, something's not right, something's not right. And I kept saying, saying get behind me because, you know, he says that he wrote this, he wrote this book, um, Face to Face Encounter, yeah. right, with God, right? So it's not a face-and-face -face encounter with God. It's a face-and-face -face encounter with the devil is what it is. Um, the light of the ancient one comes from Golgotha. And as it touches, the dead comes to life. From Golgotha is the light of God bringing life from the dead. Really want to refresh your memory? Well, here we go. Uh, refresh your memory again. The white head of God, the Golgotha, the skull, the keter wheel becoming the origin of the lights of the world, the concealed brain, the chakma wisdom, the beard constricts the infinite light to the lower relatively finite reality. This is all going to make sense in a minute, I promise. The Merkaba text identifies the Ancient of Days as the Metatron, fallen angel. Do not believe these lies. Maybe some of you heard this man, Billy Phillips and the Zohar. This was just April 29, 2021. But don't believe these lies. So I'm going to read this to you, what he says. 
This week's portion of the Emor, according to the writings of the Kabbalist Reverend, Rav, oh, she's not Reverend, Rav Isaac Luria and the Zohar, reveal the secrets of Golgotha and the resurrection of the dead. Golgotha is the place where Jesus was said to be crucified, except Christian scholars and all the early founders of Christianity admit that the world is an Aramaic word and that they have no idea where Golgotha is or why this world is used for the whole idea of Jesus' death and resurrection. The answer can be found in the Kabbalah. Um, commenting upon this week's Torah portion, Rav Isaac Luria explains how the spiritual dimensions called Atika, Kadisha, is the source of the dew that brings about resurrection of the dead. He further explains that the dew is really the three letters in the tetragrammation, Yod, He, and Vav. So they're trying to say, when they're talking about the dew in the, in the Zohar, they're trying to say it stands for God. Trying to stand for those three letters. This is a picture when Stan and I've been there of Golgotha in Jerusalem. You want to tell them about that? It's destroyed now. It's not there anymore. But it was. But you can see the skull, right? This is where Jesus was buried. That you can. I know that's an actual site where we go to visit the tomb. Uh, if you've ever been to Israel, that is truth. And this, if you've been there. Early on, you would have seen this this Golgotha. So we do know exists. I don't know what happens. Something. <coughs> I have a cough drop in my purse. Um, Matthew twenty seven thirty three says, and when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, we do know where Golgotha is. However, it has been destroyed now. So we do know as Christians, they can't say that lie to us, saying we don't know or believe where it's at, because we do know. According to the, this is again from this Billy Phillips, the Zohar. According to the Kabbalist numerology, the word do and the three letters of God's name both share the same numerical value. So do is really a code for these three letters of God's name, which really refer to the realm that we call the 99% reality. Now this is going to confuse you just for a little bit too. But just hang in there, I'll get it cleared up. So they're referring to what's called the 99% reality, which they're really saying that means the do stands for God or those three letters in the Hebrew alphabet, which stands for the 99% reality in the world, I guess. The final letter in God's name, hey, refers to our world. This one letter is disconnected from the first three letters. Therefore, God's name is not complete. God's name is not unified. So if you were to see, and I'll show you a picture in a minute, but if you see the word, the letter for that hey, it is like a disconnection. In simple terms, it means our 1% reality is disconnected from the 99% reality, the source of all light. So they're saying we have to, we have to join, everybody on this planet, have to join the 99, 99% or the 1%. We're separated from it. You know, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're connected. There's not a separation. You're connected. So they have not found Jesus. The Zohar states that the word do is really a code name for God, and he is the 99%, 99% of reality. And we as humans are 1% of the reality. The 99% is the source of all light. This is a new age mystical word. To, rebur to return back to the light, be careful about the movie. Also, the girl that believes in miracles. Anybody seen that movie? It's supposed to be a Christian movie. Um, if you want to go for entertainment value... Go for entertainment value. But the, the God that she was believing in that was bringing these miracles, 
I guess it's supposed to be based on a true story. But it was, it was just this ball of light. It was not our God. So we have Christian movies out there, um, especially when they get into the miracles part. Many of them, it's not truth. So I don't want you to be caught, so caught up into this movie that's out there. And just because it's this young girl, you know, that says that she's healing people, it's miracles that it's from the from that really is God because it's not uh, the reality is, and they never, never talk about Jesus really the reality is that they're teaching to become a God um, again from this I won't say the word I started to say dumb <laughs> Billy Phillips from this Billy Phillips of the Zohar April 29 2021 the early Christian fathers and original doctors of the church all admitted that they could not find the word Golgotha anywhere in the ancient Hebrew writings because I think we've already kind of established that, so I'm not going to go through that again. But they do talk about this, um, uh, that these mystical, the mysteries of Jesus taught only to the closest disciples. And they say that these disciples were this Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochi, um, or Yoki, and then Rabbi uh, um, Akiva, and their inner circle understood. So you, they were separated out. They were special. Again from him. You see, the Zohar explains how Golgotha is the spiritual realm and the ten sephirot, the tree of life, that encompasses the place where the dew comes from to resurrect the dead. In simple terms, the Golgotha refers to the 99% reality. It was never about a physical location. It's the spiritual dimension. We know it was a physical location where Jesus died on the cross, right? He rose from the dead. He's to save us from our sins, all of our wicked ways, Right? took all of our sicknesses and diseases. So it's, while we have a spiritual connection with him, it was an actual place. And they're trying to dismiss it, where it's so important to us that believe in Jesus. Not going to dismiss that, right? Um, anyway, this Isaac, Gloria teaches only through repentance or the interchange can we reconnect to resurrect our happiness and resurrect whatever has died in our life. When enough Individual people reconnect, then the gates of the 99% will open wide enough so that even the dead will resurrect and immortal existence, the Messiah will arrive. So, so what now? So they're, they are, they're saying that he has not arrived yet. We know he has. Uh, Philip said, in simple terms, the Golgotha refers to the 99% reality. It's never about physical location. It is a physical place. I say that. Philip said that when enough individual people come in, then the Messiah comes. So there's, he's stating that when there are enough, or whatever number they may think is enough, then the Messiah will come. We're, we're not con we are not connected to the Father and Son according to the Zohar. We're not part of that. Uh, he says, this is the long-held Kabbalistic secret of the teaching that have surrounded Jesus for 2,000 years concerning Golgotha, resurrection, and Jesus' teaching about repentance. He says, repentance really means in Hebrew to return. You might ask, return to where? So when we, when we say repentance, it means turn and go the other way, right? We're not returning to our sin more. I mean, what are they saying? So we are returning ourselves to this world, to the 99%, he says. We are returning to the final letter, hey, in God's name, back to the first three letters to unify God's name, and thus unify our world with the 99% reality. I know, right? God is 99%, we are 1%, and so because we have not connected, we have not become that God, we are not part of the Godhead yet. Okay? 
So Jesus, so so Messiah hasn't returned because we there's not enough people, whatever that may be, to get Messiah to come back. It's like kingdom theology out there. You have to have so much of this, so much of people in this arena, and this arena, and this arena, to finally get Messiah to come back. So be careful. So um, what does repentance mean? Repentance, repentance means we turn from our wicked way. We go the other way. We do not go back to that sin. That's what repentance. They're saying, again, repentance means to them that you're returning to, their, to become a god. Uh, they say we're returning ourselves to this world to the 99%. They're saying you are not part of that 99% to make it 100 yet. The teachings of the mystical teachings of the Zahar teach that we have to return back to the light that is supposed to be the reality. The letter that the hay reconnects to is the letter of Av, which is part of the sun. So they're saying Messiah hasn't come yet, so therefore it's not connected as what this really is. I'll go on. He's trying to prove that Christianity doesn't exist. He's trying to say that we as Christians have been duped. That it's not a physical place where the Messiah came. So for Hebrew Roots Movement, you have to be careful for those that you're following, the rabbis that you're following, the teachings that you're following from these rabbis, because they're most likely teaching out of the Zohar. And while you might have still some truths in Christianity, the Bible, you're also being infiltrated with the lie of Satan. And pretty soon, if you stay in it, then you're going to believe that lie. You're going to believe that you are um, better than someone that accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior. As a matter of fact, you won't even bring people into the kingdom unless they study the, the, the ancient teachings that you're studying. So be careful about that. He says that Moses came down from the, the Sinai mountain with the tablets bringing the world of light to the immorality. And Rabbi Shimon came out of the cave. So they're trying to connect the two here. Um, of the mountain with the Zohar, which came the same light of the immortality. It's not the same. Uh, this light comes from the realm of Golgotha and so forth. They're, they're, they're wrong on their Golgotha thing. Now we finally grasp the truth that the Zohar is the true source and the root of Christianity. That's what they say. Lie. Here's the, the hate. So you, they're saying that we have not, that the sun part, that one symbol, the, the, the line, has not connected yet. And that's why 99% um, is, the, is the father and Shekinah, and then the son has not connected yet because Messiah has not come yet. Uh, next week or the week after, um, here soon, I'm going to teach you about, about the symbol that they use when they hold up their fingers. That's not of the Lord. So we'll talk about that later. I'm about to burst your bubble, and that's okay with me. I, I, I don't enjoy bursting bubbles all the time. Under the anointing, I do. But I, because I'm a truth finder, I'm truth, and, I, and I, my, I desire so much for God's people to be set free and to not follow after lies. And for whatever reason, he's chosen me, at least there's others probably, but chosen me is one of them to bring about the truth of the lies that are out there of the enemy so that you won't stay in the lie and that you'll be free. The Zohar speaks, the rabbis are writing, of the redemption of the world with Messiah's coming. They speak of life from the dead. They speak of the resurrection and the redemption of the world 
the resurrection of the dead and the redemption of the world. The rabbis are saying that all the mercy of God comes from Golgotha. It's amazing. From Golgotha, the place where he died. Calvary means the place of the skull. Golgotha means the place of the skull. They, they, don't, they get it all confused. It's an it's a incredible, mystical thing that I think the Holy Spirit just got in there. It doesn't make any sense at all. It says that from this comes drips, salvation, drips, resurrection. Why on earth would the rabbis put that in there? It makes no sense at all, except that God just slipped it in. This is from Rabbi Zohar 3. 128b. In the Golgotha, Golgotha, sit thousands of myriads of worlds. And from the Golgotha, Golgotha, drips dew and fills the, the dew fills the world and the dead will awaken in the world to come, as the dew comes forth. The dew is the light of the Ancient One. The light of the Ancient One comes from Golgotha, and as it touches, the dead come to life. From Golgotha is the light of God bringing life from the dead. Golgotha, the radiance of God that brings us life. Whoa. That's amazing stuff. And that Maybe the first time it's ever been said. Because you have to be a believer and you have to be in that cell. Now you have to believe in the Zohar. All pinpointed in time and space. Moses zeroed in on the day, Passover. He dies on the day that the lamb is killed. The prophets, Daniel zeroes in on the time period mathematically before 70 AD. Daniel, those 77s. The rabbis in the book of Moed, unwittingly, and another thing we share this, zero in on the year by saying that the cosmic change all took place in the year 30 AD. And now the very hill, the very place here in, of all places, the rabbinical writings, the Zohar, unwittingly gives the name of it, Golgotha, which is exactly what they would have called it, and teaches that Golgotha is the center of everything. God's mercy, you want mercy, you go there. Listen to the rabbis. On that point, go there. Even life from the dead, lives are redeemed. Wow, so that scare you a little bit? Get you awoke a little bit? Um, I'll do the start there next week, but where it says it's going to raise the dead, what he's talking about, he's trying to get to raise us to follow after the Zohar and so that we can become that 1% that connects to the 99% that'll know that we're going to become a God. We're going to become divine. So I get, you know, people come up to me, say, have you read this book? Have you read this book? Here, I want to give this to you. Get thee away. I don't want to have anything to do with him. I, I, I've, I've pushed him away. Nope, don't like the guy. You don't like him? Nope. Not following after him. He teaches the Zohar. Out of the Zohar, the mystical book, the Kabbalah. So we have a problem here. It's not Christianity. And yet, we find millions of followers after him. Thinking he's like a god. I have a problem. 
Not about repentance. Not about turning to Jesus. It's about their, his Golgotha. And to, to also worship the dew. And all those Christians in that church were clapping their hands. Did you see that? They're in a trance. Which even that symbol that they show puts you in a trance. It's not a God symbol. I'll talk about that. I'll get to that next week. It's not the prayer that's being prayed over. You know, it's kind of like the symbols like, a, and I'll, I'll talk about this again. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. But, you know, like the hook and horns symbol, not, you know, the, the, the peace signs, not a peace sign, that kind of thing. So it's to get you to believe a lie and to worship a lie. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. Lord, I thank you that we can come here today. I thank you. I thank you that you reveal truth to us. I thank you, Lord. You're so wonderful. And for those that are even watching online, Lord, I call repentance to them right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, convict them right now where they are. Let them just fall on their knees, those that need to repent right now and ask forgiveness for following after this, this man that we just saw. And after now realizing they're following after the works of the Zohar, the mysticism that's arrived in the church. We cancel all plans and attacks of the enemy upon their lives right now in Jesus' name. Come back to Jesus, the true Jesus, the Messiah, the true and one, one only God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Ask for the true baptism of the Holy Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit to dwell inside you. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Start over at this moment if you need to. Start over right now with God. Repent and turn from it. And do not look to see that you're going to become divine or become a God. Throw away these things. Burn these things that are not of God right now in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that there will be mourning that will go on because it's going to be a detachment. But, Lord, that's okay. Crying's good. Crying will cleanse you. It's okay. So receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then let us know. Go to contact at spiritofprophecychurch.com. Let us know that you have renounced the Zohar. You have renounced following this mysticism that's in the church. You've, you've renounced following the Hebrew Roots Movement. And be careful And even some of the Messianic Jews Movement. Be careful. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the truth to be revealed. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Let's just raise our hands and bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we come boldly before your throne of grace and mercy. I thank you so much. I thank you for this weekend. I thank you for the watchmen that were here and also for the teaching from Stan. Lord, I thank you for anointing all of them and just having that revelation knowledge that came in. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus for all of our visitors here and also for those that attend this church regularly um, and those um, that come, that you would, would you, that you would take care of them on their way back home, protect them, give them traveling mercies. And Lord, for those that want to be a part of us, that should be a part of us, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that they would sign up to be a member of the Spirit of Prophecy Church and also the Prophecy Club. They'd be partakers with us. Because I know that, the, that if they become partakers, ministers, or memberships, members with us, then they receive in those blessings too. Lord, we give you praise and we give you honor and we just give you glory. And we thank you for healing those that need a healing touch right now in Jesus' name. 
And Lord, for specifically for one of our members, for Scott, I speak to you in the name of Jesus. We say, be healed right now in Jesus' name. We command all that pain to get out of his body and be free of him right now in Jesus' name. Loose him and let him go. Loose it off. And Lord, I ask for your anointing to come in that's going to soothe and calm and, and, and just replace where that pain was with your just peace. Lord, we just ask right now for those things that need to be adjusted in his body to be adjusted. And that he would feel your presence right now. Just anoint him right now, Lord. Let him feel it in Jesus' name. Feel it in his body. And Lord, for those that couldn't be with us today, should they be sick, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, again, that you send forth your ministry spirits to minister to them. Heal them right where they are in Jesus' name. Heal them right where they are. We speak to that spirit of infirmity. We command it to go and to get out in Jesus' name and to heal them right now. And Lord, for some that are confused, even like from some of my teachings even today or some of the truth that has come in, Lord, I ask that there be no more confusion. We command that confusion to get out right now in Jesus' name and that you would remove those blinders and that they begin to see the truth. Even though the truth may hurt. Lord, we just ask it in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask that, that all of those that are here today receive your special anointing. And that they would have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying today. And they'll not go home the same. But they will truly go home with a new anointing in their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll turn it over to Pastor Stan. Okay, you may be seated. And let me have the body and blood right up here. We took communion last week. However, we have a bunch of uh, guests in here this morning, so we're going to take communion again. So this is the time that we take a moment and uh, remember. As I said, it, would we close that door there? Or get them to be quiet one or the other? Uh, in Christianity, we don't have a whole lot of rituals. Thank you, Lord. But the one that we do have is extremely important. The Bible says that people that take this unworthily can actually heap upon themselves sickness and death. So this is very important. This is a time when we remember the finished work on the cross, the single most important thing in all of history, more important than anything, because this is the blood that opened the door for us to live eternally. To correct the mistake that Adam and Eve made. So we're commanded, just like Jesus did, before he handed it around, first to thank him for it. And so, Lord, we thank you for these little bitty unleavened wafers and for this grape juice because it represents your body that was beaten and nailed to the cross and your blood that was shed for us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And we'll ask you to hold it until we all do it together. So as we come into this time, this is a time that we think back through our lives. Lord, I ask you to help us to remember those things that we need to repent of. The Jews did it one time a year. It's called atonement, where they atone for their sins, where they try to confess all their sins. We Christians do it, should be doing it pretty much on a daily basis. I do it every day. Um, probably you do too. But when we come to this time, this is a real serious time where we ask the Holy Spirit to bring to our remembrance 
those things that we do need to repent of. Because he says, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Lord, we just ask you to bring to our heart the things that we need to confess and ask you to forgive in Jesus' name, amen. So right about now, Jesus was out in the garden. Leslie and I have been there, showed you pictures. Among the olive trees that lived thousands of years, and they said if it's not these very olive trees, it's definitely the descendants of those olive trees. And it's absolutely positively the garden where Jesus prayed. Where he prayed so fervently he was sweating as if sweat of big drops of blood. It wasn't sweating blood, but he was sweating. That's how fervently and hard he was praying. Why? Because he knew what was about to happen. He knew he was about to be beaten, beard pulled out, spit on, laughed at, mocked, stripped of his clothes, nailed to a cross, stuck up in the air in one of the busiest thoroughfares in the whole area, so all of the people that hate him could walk by and point at his naked body and laugh and mock at him. He said, no one takes my life. I lay it down. I lay it down and I take it up. Jesus has the keys of hell and death. Deuteronomy 32, 38 says, I kill, I make alive. I wound, I heal, and neither can any deliver out of my hand. No one took his life because Adam ate of the fruit by one man, mankind fell. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, one man, all of mankind can rise again to eternal life. This body and blood, this unleavened bread and this grape juice represent, is for help us to remember the most important event in human history, the sacrifice on the cross. So after Jesus had prayed, he went in and he had the Passover lamb. And of course, we know that Jesus is our Passover lamb. And he took the uh, cracker. We're going to take the cracker. The unleavened bread, the little piece from the top. And he handed it around. He said, take, eat. This is my body that was broken from you, for you. And the disciples didn't understand. They didn't understand that the sacrifice about to take place, that their friend that they'd walked with for three years, three and a half years, some say, was now about to be crucified. So he broke it, blessed it, and handed it around. Lord, we break and we bless this, and we've handed it around, and we say that this represents your broken body that was on the cross. We accept it as accepting your sacrifice and your broken body in Jesus' name, amen. So they all ate, not understanding, but we understand. We understand how important this is. So then he poured a cup. My Jewish guide said it's called hammer. The reason they call it hammer is because they say that when you drink this wine, it's sweet. Leslie and I have tasted it when we're in Israel. It's very good. It goes down better than Coca-Cola or Dr. Pepper. 
But they call it hammer because they say, man, it knocks you out. And he says, probably that's the reason the disciples couldn't pray because they had, had been drinking hammer at their Passover meal. And they could not keep their eyes open because they'd been knocked out by the red, sweet red wine. But Lord, this represents your blood that was shed to wash our sins away in Jesus' name. And they all drank. And Lord, we do thank you for that finished work on the cross. Hallelujah. Well, now you know what time it is. Oh, no. Let's try this again. It's time for... Hallelujah. Let's stand up and spread out. Come on, let's put our hands together. You're the only answer to the darkness. You're the only right among the wrong. You're the only hope among the chaos. You, you are, are the voice that calls me on. Louder than every lie. My sword in every fight. The truth will chase away the night. Your name is power over darkness. Freedom for the captives. Mercy for the broken and the hopeless. Your name is faithful in the battle. Glory in the struggle. Mighty, it will let us down or fail us. Your name is power. Hallelujah. Your name is power. I know it's written, hope is certain. I know that the word will never fail. I know that in every situation, you speak the power to prevail. Louder than every lie, my sword in every fight, the truth will chase. Away the night. Your name is power over darkness. Freedom for the captives. Mercy for the broken and the hopeless. Your name is faithful in the battle. Glory in the struggle. Mighty, it won't let us down or fail us. Your name is power. Your name is power. When you speak, you scatter darkness. Light arrives in heaven opens. Holy Spirit, let us hear it. When you speak, the church awakens. We believe the change is coming. Holy Spirit, let us see it when you speak you shatter darkness light arrives in heaven opens holy spirit let us hear it when you speak the church awakens we believe the change is coming 
Holy Spirit, let us see it. Your name is power over darkness, freedom for the captives, mercy for the broken and the hopeless. Your name is faithful in the battle, glory in the struggle. Mighty, it will let us down or fail us. Come on, your name is power. Your name is power. Yes, it is. There is power in the name of Jesus. Come on, I want to hear you singing power in the name of Jesus. We proclaim that. Where two or more are gathered in his name, he is there. Whoa, for all who come and run to him in faith, yes, he is there. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power, power in his name. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power, power in his name. No fear, no lie can stand against us now. Because he is here. Hallelujah. Oh, no word has come to silence every doubt, cause he is here. There is power in the name of Jesus, there is power, power in his name. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power, power in His name. Whoa, there is power in His name. Whoa, there is power in His name. One name, one name can save. One name breaks every chain. One name always. Come on and hear. Jesus, one name, one name remains, one name we will proclaim, one name always, one name. There is power in the name of Jesus, there is power, power in his name, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power, power in His name. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power, power in His name. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power, power in His name. Whoa, there is power in his name. 
some praise. It's okay. Lift your voices. Hallelujah. There's power in the name of Jesus. Where two or more are gathered, there he is in the midst of them. Hallelujah. You came down from heaven's throne. This earth you formed was not your home. A love like this the world had never known. A crown of thorns to mock your name. Forgiveness fell upon your face. A love like this the world has never known. On the altar of our praise, let there be no higher name. Jesus, Son of God, you lay down your perfect life. You are the sacrifice, so my Jesus, Son of God. You are Jesus, Son of God. You took our sin. You bore our shame, you rose to life, you defeated the grave. And a love like this, the world has never known. Hallelujah. And though you took our sin, you bore our shame. You rose to life, you defeated the grave. And a love like this, the world has never known. On the altar of our praise, let there be no higher name. Then Jesus, Son of God, you lay down your perfect life. You are the sacrifice, so my Jesus, Son of God, you are Jesus, Son of God, be lifted higher. Then all you've overcome, there is no louder than any other song. There is no power that can come against your love. The cross was enough. The cross was enough. The cross was enough. The cross was enough. Thank you, Lord. On the altar of our praise, let there be no higher name than Jesus, Son of God. You laid down your perfect life. 
You are the sacrifice, Jesus, Son of God. You are Jesus, Son of God. Father God, let us be those warriors on the front line. Father, I see that you are drawing a line in the sand, and I want to be standing on your side, holding your hand. So let your kingdom come, let it live in me. This is my prayer, this is my plea. Father, I see that you are drawing a line in the sand, and I want to be standing on your side, holding your hand, so let your kingdom come, let it live in me, this is my prayer, this is my plea, let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and the daughters sing. I'm surrendering my all. I surrender to the King. Let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and the daughters sing. I'm surrendering my all. I surrender to the King. And Father, I hear it growing louder. The song of your redeemed. As the saints of every nation are awakening to see, and from our hearts there comes an anthem. Oh, hear the heavens ring! This is our song, a song to our King. Let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and the daughters sing. I'm surrendering my all. Lord, we surrender. I surrender to the King. To the King. Let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and the daughters sing. I'm surrendering my Surrender to the King. Let the worshippers arise. Let the worshippers arise. Let the sons and the daughters sing. Lord, we surrender. I'm surrendering my all. Lord, we surrender. I surrender to.
Let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and the daughters sing. Oh, hallelujah. I'm surrendering my all. Thank you, Lord. I surrender to the I just wanted to open up the altars to the men, the men that are here to come and pray for your families, your friends, co-workers, and loved ones. We just open up to the altars only to the men right now. And women, if you'll just stay behind, just reach your hands out and just be praying for them as leaders of the home, that they'll hear from the Lord. They'll hear the direction of the Lord. Just find a place to kneel down if you can. Holy, holy is he. Sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder. Blessing and honor, strength and glory and power be to you, the only wise King. Yeah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Awestruck wonder at the mention of your name. Jesus, your name is power, breath of living water. You're such a marvelous mystery. Yeah. 
holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Yeah. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Singing holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Come on, give him some praise. Yeah. With all creation I sing, sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Lord, I just ask that you wake these men up that are here and also listening online. Just wake them up even in the middle of the night to pray, not only for our nation, but to first pray for themselves, but to pray for their families, their loved ones. Lord, give them that revelation knowledge that comes from you, that they, because they are the head, Lord, they're the head of the homes. They are the ones that we look to, to guide and direct. So we ask in the name of Jesus that you would guide and direct them. They'd have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And help us, ladies, also to remember to lift them up into prayer, that they hear from you, and that they would be obedient to do what you're saying to them to do. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen. Lord, praise. Come on, you can lift it up louder than that. That's fine. We love to praise and worship the Lord our God in here. Thank you, praise and worship leaders. Um, oh, man, I got 50 <laughs> minutes. You're giving me 50 minutes. Well, we could stop early. <laughs> what? Um, I know. Did you thank all of our helpers last night? I did. Okay, praise God. You can thank them again. Okay, I thank you again, all of our, our helpers. Give them some praise, you know. Absolutely. It is... Uh, it takes a multitude to do things. And so, you know, we really look to them and, you know, it's just, they have such an anointing to serve, but they have an anointing just to know things ahead of time. And, um, I, I, I just marvel at them. I just, I remember the days where it was basically Bentley, Leslie, Ann and I, um, and Stan, and we were putting things together for the crusade, a couple other people, but doing everything. And so sometimes multitasking, or excuse me, What's that? What's it called? Where you're, you're not multitasking, or you're, I did multitasking, believe me. But where I wanted to, micromanaging, you know, where you kind of still want to do it. Not that I want to do it, but I'm like, my brain is just constantly going, the sand's like, we got it. We got it. Okay. I know you got it. I just have to put it out there anyway. But 
And so Stan's learning too. We just have to, we trust our team and I thank you all so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our hearts, we just thank you so much. I'm and sure. you know, I know that um, they believe in the message or they wouldn't do it, they wouldn't be here. I know you believe in the message or you wouldn't be here and you are watchmen that have come. And that's a great, that's a great anointing. That's a great task. Um, and there's not a lot of you, you know, in the globe. Not a lot of you. So, but that's okay, because you want to be able to speak the truth. So I'm taking up some of your time so that you don't have, you don't have 50 minutes now. <laughs> but God bless all of you that came, and God bless all of our helpers. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you again. And Lord, I thank you for anointing this man of God. Lord, he's my husband, but Lord, more than that, he's your servant. He's an apostle of the Lord, and Lord, it's not about a title. It's about the anointing that's on him. So, Lord, I thank you for that anointing that's on, his, on him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, and that he would feel your presence. We look to your presence. We look to the anointing, and we ask, Lord, that you would speak to his heart as the message that you have, have brought to him to give to us, and open up our ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Help us to have a remembrance of the message. Let it penetrate our very being, and where we need to change, we will change, Lord. Where we need to repent, we will repent. We truly want to serve you. And Lord, I know these people do, or they wouldn't be here this weekend. So we give you all the praise and honor and glory, and thank you for making the provision for each one of them. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor, glory, and blessing. Where does that come from? That song we just sang, it comes from here. He came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four and twenty elders and the, and the lamb, and the four and the four beasts fell down before the lamb, each of them having harps and golden vials full of odors, and they sang the song, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang the song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals there, for thou wast slain, has redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred tongue, people, and nation. This is probably one of the most important praise and worship verses in the Bible. Because thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals. Why? Because thou wast slain as redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred tongue, people, and nation has made us under our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne of the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is say it. Say it again. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And, and every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all the random heard us saying, Blessing, honor, glory and power be in him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And the congregation says, Amen. Amen. And I say, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. That's where that song comes from. Which is why that's my favorite song. That's some of my favorite worship verses. Now you can go to the PowerPoint. Lord, we ask for your wisdom. We ask for your spirit. We ask for your love to come in today. Lord, we spent the weekend studying the scariest book in the Bible about the scariest times, such as was never since man were upon the earth. 
we're about to see those times. We are the last generation, the harvest generation. So Lord, I ask you to give us knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom, understanding all of the prophecies in Jesus' name. Amen. So I kept battling this. No, 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 we've had no prophecy. We had no prophecy. Give us something encouraging. So this is what I have concluded that if I'm going to deliver what God wants to deliver, and I am, and that's what you want, then this is what we're going to talk about, Matthew 24. But first of all, we're going to start and answer a question that was discussed yesterday. The kingdom of heaven is likened to ten virgins. Okay, virgins. We concluded that if you, they're saying virgins, you would tend to think that they're all saved. However, down here he says, I know you not, the five that didn't get in. So just because they apparently, they thought they were going in, they didn't necessarily make it in. So let's read through it. Like in the ten virgins who took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five were foolish, five were wise. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Now, the question is, what is the oil? The wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Now, this is a very important phrase. At midnight, there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go yet to meet him. Now, we talked about this last week. I may have to flip. Here we go. This is the most, ah, don't go forward, I didn't tell you, go one at a time. Modern technology, right? This is the updated chart with uh, several things added, a lot of things added over the chart we saw the whole weekend. However, up here it says, this is the midnight cry. These were those that are redeemed from among men, being the first fruits, the secret door, first fruits unto God and the Lamb. At midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. When we see the 144,000 on the Mount Zion, that is the midnight cry. In other words, when we see them, if we're living in Jerusalem, matter of fact, probably if we're not living in Jerusalem, if there's still global TV with 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys all of a sudden resurrected, appeared on Mount Zion, I don't know if they're in little bodies or mature bodies, but they're probably wearing white robes, and Jesus is going to be there, I think that's newsworthy. So probably everybody is going to know it. And so he says, look at the words here, go ye out to meet him. Why would he say that? Because I think at that time Jesus is still in a lamb body. And if we go to Mount Zion, I don't think he's going to stay on Mount Zion. But we could go there and actually meet Jesus. What? I'm just telling this is what the Bible says, okay? Now, back to our topic. So the cry is made. When we see that cry made, when we see Jesus on Mount Zion, there is absolutely positively no question at that point he's going to return as King of Kings in about seven months. There is no question. But he returns as a lamb. Acts 1.11, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus shall return again in like manner. I think that means in a lamb body and probably in the same clothes. But it's the same lamb body that Thomas felt the nail scars in. So probably we could go out and meet Jesus. I know, that's, you know, a little hard to understand. But that's the Bible, though. So, okay, let's continue with our investigation here. 
So then all ten virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. What do you do when you trim a lamp? Okay, so you, you, you've got the little oil thing here, and you've got a little piece of cloth hanging out there. And as the lamp burns for a while, the cloth burns down, right? So you've got to cut off that burned cloth, and then you pull some more cloth out, and it burns brighter, right? right. However, they trimmed their lamps. In other words, they made their lamps get brighter. The foolish said to the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. The wise answered, saying, mm, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you, but rather go to them that sell and buy for yourselves. Now the question is, what's the oil? What is the oil? What is the oil that the five that were, that were wise got in, the five that foolish didn't have? I think we want to say works. I think what we want to say is that all ten get in. But when we look down here, the five, he didn't open to them. I know you're not. So apparently there's some people, roughly about half of the people that think they're saved, apparently Jesus doesn't know them. In other words, probably they're the terrors. They're probably the ones that sit in the Sunday morning pews, or the people that don't even go to church. And around here, Texas, just about everybody's a Christian. You ask them, you're a Christian? Yes. When's the last time you went to church? Uh, well, you know, when I was a child, we went to church. <laughs> but you ask them, they're a Christian. But what it's saying is when they stand for Jesus, Jesus says, I know you're not. Okay? So while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they were all ready and went in with the marriage. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Where? Oh, here, back up, back up. Let me get to the right one here. Takes a minute for him to change. Not so far. So, Jesus returns here the next time to the Mount Zion. He walks around for 50 days. And then on Pentecost, the wheat and the barley, the wheat and the barley, then both go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus changes from the Lamb of God to become the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he comes forth and serves us, and we have a big party for about four months. About four months. He is crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. He is, uh, crown he, he is many crowns, a vesture dipped in blood, and a white horse. We also get a white horse about four months later. We return with him here on Armageddon, or the grape harvest, and with the two angels, and they slash the grapes. We talked about this whole weekend. So as he returns here, at that time, there's some people that's not going to get in. But I think that our parable to this morning is talking about here. Because it's talking about, behold, the bridegroom cometh. The bridegroom cometh here. In other words, he's inviting people to the marriage supper of the Lamb, you see. Now, let's go back to our scripture. So, the virgins trimmed their lamps. I think that that's saying that in these last days, as we get closer, the ones that really love the Jesus, they start burning brighter. In other words, like maybe a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire setting on their heads, sevenfold miracles, winning lots of souls, teaching prophecy. <laughs> right? Yes. We're going to say yes to that, right? Yes. But the wise answer is, oh, no, no, we might not have enough for us. So it, I want to say, 
it's talking about works, serving the Lord. But while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. Afterward, the other virgins came in. Oh, let me back, keep, keep reading here. While they went to bride, the bridegroom came, and they were ready, they were ready, went into the marriage, and the door was shut. So we're talking about the question is whether they get to go into the marriage. It's not talking about trumpets, it's talking about Pentecost. Afterward came other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. He said, Verily I say to you, I know you not. So there's groups of people that do not get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Who does get to go? Those that are ready. Can you be the bride of Christ if you don't get to go to the marriage supper? Probably not. I mean, how can you be a bride when you didn't go to the marriage, right? Now, that doesn't mean they're not saved. That doesn't mean they're not thoroughly blessed. It's just that they're not part of the bride of Christ. <coughs> okay, let's back up. Yeah, it's really small writing, but I'll try to read it. So June 1, 2006, the Lord appeared to me and said, Matthew 24, 8, this is Sundar Salvarez. He said, so I turned to my Bible, read the scripture. Talks about the beginning of sorrows. Revelation 13, 16, and he causeth all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark on the right hand or in their foreheads. Jesus explained to me that in the book of Revelation, the message of the seven angels of the seven churches, the breaking of the seven seals, the blowing of the seven trumpets, and the outpouring of the wrath of God all fit Matthew 24, which is what we're about to read, saying that all Christians, all Christians will go through the tribulation. It took me by surprise. I said, Lord, what are you saying is contrary to the, what the Pentecostals are preaching. The Lord said, all you people are wrong. You ever feel like you're the lone ranger out here believing in this prophecy stuff? Yeah, man. All you people are wrong. I was shocked what the Lord said. He said, it's okay. Let's go with what you're believing. That all the Pentecostals are preaching the rapture will take place before the tribulation. If the rapture will take place before the tribulation, who will be left behind? I said, the foolish virgins and the unbelievers. All right, let's go with that, Jesus says. If the foolish virgins and the unbelievers will be the ones who will be left behind to face the Antichrist, they are foolish virgins. Their minds are dull of understanding. They will not discern the word. Why then would the Antichrist need to force them to take the mark of the beast? He doesn't. He doesn't have to force them. <coughs> They're already prepared to take the mark of the beast. Only ones that are even going to resist this. Look, if you think you had pressure to wear a mask, if you think you're getting pressure now to take the anti-V, okay, you ain't had anything until the mark of the beast comes out. Like now, right now, they're talking about, well, if you don't take the anti-V, you're not going to be able to go to ball games. You can't get on an airplane. There's even been states that have passed laws say, no, 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 you can't say if they don't take the anti-V, they can't do such and such. But where's it heading? So that all men might buy or sell, unless they, no man buy or sell, save he had the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. So let's keep going. Their minds are dull of hearing, they will not discern the word. So then why would the Antichrist need to force them? He doesn't need to force them. They're already prepared to take the mark of the beast. If they took the mask, it's even going to be harder to take the mark of the, or not to take the mark of the beast. The scriptures say he will force them. 
So who will the beast need to force if the righteous are already gone? That opened my eyes, he said. Then the Lord said, the mark of the beast is the final test for all Christians all over the world. The mark of the beast is the final test for all Christians all over the world. The mark of the beast is the final test for all Christians all over the world. We've got to remember that. Can a person that was a pastor, maybe had a radio and a TV program, thousands of people got saved because of his program, but he takes the mark of the beast. Does he get in? No. Don't take the mark of the beast. Deciding who will keep their allegiance to God and who will not. The mark of the beast will separate the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the tares, the wise from the foolish, the false from the true, and the wolves from the sheep. This is the ultimate test. Only the true believers will not love their lives unto the death and refuse to take the mark at all costs. But the foolish virgins and the false believers will accept the mark of the beast thinking nothing is wrong with it. Okay, so back to our question here. So we have ten virgins. Five wise had oil trimmed their lamps. Five foolish, he says, I know you're not. I think it's saying that we have to not only keep our heart clean and our lives right, but I think he needs to know us. In other words, is we're doing things like attending church and listening to radio programs and reading our Bible and have a prayer closet. But we're involved in helping the congregation grow and build the kingdom of God. We're there. He sees our face all the time, right? That's a good place for an amen, right? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to skip this because I'm really not covering that this morning. These are the updated charts. Remember I said that I've updated the colors and things, so it's improved a little bit. And we're going to offer those. But anyway, we'll move on. All right, now to the point I want to get to today, if it'll go to. All right, Matthew 24. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now, in my opinion, the hear of wars and rumors of wars is probably talking about World War I and World War II and possibly even World War III. Because the end is not World War III. It may seem like it. But the end is really Armageddon, right? Nation shall rise against nation. Probably World War I, World War II. Kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Now, to understand this, you've got to see the word all. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Okay, so when we see wars, rumors of wars, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and we see famines, pestilences, earthquakes, and diverse places all together at the same time, it's the beginning of sorrows. So that kind of says we have some more time. And I think a lot of us like to see that we have more time. Don't get me wrong. There's sometimes I want to say, let's just get it over with. <laughs> but on the other hand, I think there's a part of us that says, give us more time. Soften and delay. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. We want to say, oh, well, that's just the Jews back in World War II. Well, did the Jews turn people over to be persecuted? Pretty much not. They were all rounded up, right? So it's not talking about the past. It's talking about in the future. Meaning, 
the tares, the people that currently sit out there, not here, out there in the other church pews, that, see, a tare lives with the wheat, looks like the wheat, act like, acts like the wheat until the harvest. Let both grow together until the harvest. And during the harvest, then the farmer goes out and he first removes all of the tares, binds them in bundles, casts them into the fire. Then he gathers his wheat into the barn in the New Jerusalem. So when he's saying deliver your be afflicted, he's talking about the tares delivering up the wheat. Then many should be offended, should betray one another and hate one another. When Prophecy Club started, I remember Dot Burkhart of, what was the station? WREN Topeka, Kansas said, your biggest challenge is not going to be authorities. It's not going to be the sinners. It's going to be the Christians. The Christians will come against you the hardest. Guess what? After 28 years, he was right. Yeah. Many false prophets should rise. I told Leslie the other day, I said, man, the world needs a, a, a YouTube channel with a real prophet getting on there, bringing correction, showing people what a real prophet looks like, acts like, sounds like, how they dress, everything about it. They, because the real world is following after false prophets. These days, someone turn that off. I'm about to start chattering up here. I'm cold. Um, these days, all you got to do is open up a YouTube channel and you start getting subscribers and money flows, I guess. And, but God didn't call you to do that. Many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. We're there. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. What does that mean? You see, every time someone makes a prophecy and it's false and it doesn't come to pass, they start pointing fingers and calling people false prophets and they walk away from the church. Because the iniquity shall abound. In other words, because the love of many has gone cold, because they've sinned, then all of a sudden... Everything starts falling apart. Kind of like. <laughs> I was looking for the word now. <laughs> Prophecy students. <laughs> but he shall endure to the end. The same shall be saved. Now that word there. Let me just. That, that's, that's a real misunderstanding. It's not saying he that endures to the end will have his name written in the book of life. As we talked about, if they endure to the end, but they don't take the mark, but they don't receive Jesus, then they are saved from the wrath. They're allowed to live for up to a thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, Satan released out of his prison. He goes out to deceive the nations, Gog and Magog, to gather them to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. They went upon the breath of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven, devoured them as the morning star, so they're still destroyed. The gospel of the kingdom should be preached into all the world. When does that happen? Let me show you. It's close, so I'll show you. Okay, the gospel of the kingdom happens. See, I, I didn't have these on the other chart. That's actually saying. Everlasting gospel. Babylon has fallen the first one. This is Babylon's fallen the second one. And this is saying. Everlasting. Uh, 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 Mark. Mark. 
Mark warning is given. So, remember we talked about this yesterday, but I have those little marks in them. You can't put everything in a chart. It's already pretty small, right? Okay, going forward, forward, forward. Here we go. No, here we go. <clears throat> so, he that endures to the end is not saying they get their name in the book of life. And this gospel of the kingdom should be preached into all the world for witness. And I just showed you when. That's the angel flying through the midst of heaven with the everlasting gospel. And when you therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place. That's when the, the Antichrist goes in and sits on the ark of the covenant proclaims himself God. Then let him that is in Judea flee into the mountains. And that's going to be Mount Sinai which is 260 miles straight south of Jerusalem. Let him who is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Woe to them that are with child, to them that give suck in those days. Pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Now let's jump to Daniel 12.10. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Right, right? And it's amazing. You try to talk to some people about the end. You try to help them understand what's coming and everything. It's like you're talking Greek. The window shade comes down. Hmm. I've been there. The wise shall understand. And from the time of the daily sacrifice shall be taken away. That's in the middle of the tribulation. And the abomination that Mecca desolate set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he that waited and cometh to 1,330 in five days. I'm not going to try to explain that. Not right now. I just put these charts in here in case I wanted to point out something. And I don't, so I'm going to skip mine. Now let's go back to Matthew 24. Then should be great tribulation, such as what's not since the beginning of the world of this time. No, nor ever shall be. That's what we're preparing for, my brothers and sisters. But we're not going to be biting our nails. We're going to be preaching gospel. Amen. We're going to be explaining prophecy. We're going to be leading people to the Lord. Yes, yes. And while everybody else is saying, oh, no, we're going to be saying, thank you, Lord. <laughs> they finally listen. They finally want to hear about Jesus. It's about time. <laughs> Except those days should be short, short and there should be no flesh saved. Okay, what's it talking about? I don't think it's saying that there are fewer days because the Bible is very specific on how many days there is. But, Bible doesn't necessarily say there's 24 hours in every day. And we also know that there's a, an object about a third of the size of the sun slams into the sun. Matthew, uh, or I mean Isaiah 24, I believe it is, says the earth turneth upside down and scattereth abroad the, the, scatter abroad the inhabitants thereof. Another place it says it wobbles like a drunkard. So my guess is that there's less than 24 hour days there's less than 24 hours in a day. That's my guess there. For the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. If any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. He is a false YouTuber. <laughs> Beware. Beware of these other knucklehead ministries out here. I mean... I don't know if you get all the emails, I do. But oh my goodness, I get so many emails. Honest people say, hey, what do you think? 
And I go over there and it's like, Ugh, I can feel the spirit just in the first two or three words. He's like, no, no. Well, that's what I thought. I was just, I was just checking. So thank you. Man, there's a lot of false prophets out there right now. There are a lot of people there either call themselves a prophet or not call themselves a prophet. They're acting like a prophet, right? Try to say they're prophesying. If they miss it, it's fine. Uh, that's not fine. Not when you say thus saith the Lord. Yeah. If any man say to you, here's Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders. So beware, just because of signs and wonders does not mean it's God. Insomuch that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. You know, there are so many different people on the internet and on YouTube that are, man, it's, it's hard, which is why I'm telling Leslie, she's got to start this Teach the Prophets channel. She's got to. She's got to do it. Wherefore, if they say to you, behold, he's on the internet. I mean, behold, he's in the desert. Go not forth. Or behold, he has a website. You know what I'm saying, right? Believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. What's that mean? So when Jesus comes and that darkness, that eternity enters into time and the heaven rolls back like a scroll and he blows that morning star down, it'll be the final morning star just hits everything. But this is a picture as lightning is like knocking out the tares. So there's two people in bed, one's a tear, one's a wheat. It hits the tear and misses the wheat. Right? Two people in a field working. One's a tear, one's a wheat. Hits the tear, misses the wheat. Thousands shall fall by thy side and ten thousand at the right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the tear fall to the ground. Am I right? That's what it's saying. Lightning coming out of the east and shines even out of the west, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened. When is the sun darkened? Hmm, right here. Right, right, right here. Sun gets seven times hotter. The sun goes out here in the fifth vial. Now you see why I keep that on the side of the church all the time. See, The moon shall not give her light. Stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. And that's not white cumulus clouds. As we've talked about, woe to those that desire the day of the Lord, for it is not a day of light, but of darkness and clouds and thick clouds and darkness and gloominess. The clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And what is that great glory? You guys, excellent. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds of heaven, from one end of heaven after the other. In my opinion, all of the tares are ashes and bones. He's just gathering us. Now, where is he taking us? He's taking us into the barn. Matthew 13, 30, gave you first the tares, bind them into bundles, cast them into the fire. 
Then send my angels out, then gather the wheat into the barn. What's the barn? The new Jerusalem comes down from heaven. Now learn the parable of the fig tree. Who's the fig tree? That would be Israel. When his branch is yet tender and put a fourth leaf, you know that summer is not. So likewise, when you see all these things, you know that uh, all these things, you know that it is near even at the doors. Verily, I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Oh, now we can tell when Jesus is coming. You know, in my 40 years of studying prophecy, I cannot tell you how many times I have read that verse and say, I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm going to figure it out. I still ain't figured it out. But would you like my best guesses to save you hours and hours of studying something you're not going to find? Okay, so how long is a generation? Okay, well, I think it's Psalm 95 says that we live 70 years and if possibly we have strength, we can live 80. Ha! It's 80 years. So what you got to do is take when, um, when Israel became a nation in 1948, you add 80 years and phew, Jesus has got to come back by then. But the problem is, well, let's see, how long is a generation? Well, let's see, a child is born, and sometimes the typical one ha starts having children around 20. That is, unless I, so that means this is the time. And so if we really want to dig in to try to figure out Jesus, when he's going to come, I can talk, take the next hour, and at the conclusion of the hour, we're still got a frown and still trying to say, so when? Sometimes I think it's real close. Sometimes I think... Maybe it's this year. Sometimes I think, man, it ain't going to be for another 40 years. So when's he going to come? I don't know. But I can tell you that if we get to hear that long, loud horn, Revelation 6, 1, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. If we hear that, then I can tell you exactly seven years later, that'll be on the Feast of Trumpets, exactly seven years later on Feast of Trumpets, he'll return. But then we still wouldn't know the day of the hour because the sun goes out, the earth turns upside down, all of our timekeeping is all gone. Yeah. So we still don't know exactly. So we don't know, but we're going to keep our lamps trimmed. Amen. We're going to stay watching, right? And that's the main point of the message this morning. Okay, so this generation shall not pass so all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not pass away. When does heaven and earth pass away? Can we know that? Would you like to know? Here, wait, I'm going to try to go forward and see if I can find one of those charts. I think I put it in. Ah, here it is. Okay. Here's when heaven and earth pass away. Okay, so refresh our memory. Jesus comes back the next time on first fruits, resurrects 144,000, walks around, uh, starts on Mount Zion, walks around, and then the wheat goes to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and then Jesus returns on Armageddon, and then ten days later it's atonement, five days later it's tabernacles. So back to the question. So when is the, the old heaven and the old earth destroyed? The answer is here. It's on Feast of Trumpets. How do you know? Because it says, and then uh, I saw a great white throne, and he that sat upon it from whose face the heaven and the earth fled away, and there was found no place for them. So it starts here. The shaking and the destruction of the old heaven and the old earth starts here. Ten days later, on atonement, it's complete. Five days later, from the 10th to the
to the 15th of the month. Five days later, the new Jerusalem comes down. Yes, I do sleep with the Bible under my pillow. Yes, well, <laughs> Leslie is going, yes, this is all he thinks about. It is. Every question I ask comes back to something about Bible prophecy. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Now, that sounds like a compliment, but that's a little bit of, you should have to live with him 38 years. She's not kidding. It's, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a prophecy teacher to live with. Okay, so anyway. Heaven and earth shall pass away, my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knoweth no man, not the angel of heaven, but my Father only. <clears throat> skip, skip. So let's talk about that. No man knoweth the day or the hour. What about the year, month, or week? I think I'm going to skip that because I think I've already made that point if this thing will move forward. Yeah, I'm going to skip that. This is important, though. The day the Lord will come is the thief in the night. Now, does that mean we cannot know when he is coming? No. It means that those people that aren't watching, that haven't trimmed their lamps, that could care less, they, they just think, that, well, hey, look, <clears throat> when the earth turns upside down, it's going to be global warming. When the mountains fall, the earth fall, fills in. When the stars of heaven fall to the fig, as the earth, like a fig tree casting forth its untimely figs, promise you, it's going to be environmentalism. It's because all of those people have been continuing to eat the beef, and from the cow flatulence has caused all of this. You think they're going to say, well, Jesus must be coming? No way. To them, he's going to return as a thief. What? What is this? I've been trying to tell you that Jesus is coming. Who? <laughs> the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. What is that? That's when eternity enters into time and the heavens roll back like a scroll. And the elements shall also shall melt with fervent heat. What's that? The morning star, right? And the earth also, and the works therein that are burned up shall be burned up. What's that? Again, that's the morning star goes to the center of the earth, sets the foundation of the mountains on fire. The hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. The hills melt like wax or like water running down a steep place. And so, I mean, it all fits when we understand the secret door. Okay, so let's tear up a little bit of pre-trib doctrine. We've sort of hit on it, but I love doing it. First Thessalonians 5.3, For when they shall say peace and safety, sudden destruction cometh upon them is to prevail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. What's the peace and safety? It's the new world order. Okay, now we, I mean like in the, in the beauty contest, the beautiful girl steps up. Well, what is your platform? World peace. In other words, they're saying, I want world government and I want the Antichrist to come. They don't understand that, but that's what they're saying. 
But ye brethren are not in darkness, that it should overtake you as a thief. In other words, we know. We're looking for him. All are, you're all the children of light, the children of day. We are not of the children of the night or darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober and trim our lamps. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet of hope of salvation. For God is not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Even if we were to miss the marriage supper, even if we were here on the earth, on the face of the earth, when Jesus returned, when that morning star comes down, it will pass us for destruction. But as it hits us, we will become out of our belly flows the rivers of living water and we get our glorified body. But as the days of Noah, so also shall the coming to the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, and playing on the internet. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not when the flood came, took them all away, so also shall it be the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, one is burned, the other is left. Two are at the mill grinding, one is burned, and the other left. I've done the interpretation, you understand. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Us. Whom his Lord has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find to have oil. Good? Is it a good point? Yeah. Are you about sick of prophecy this weekend? No. Well, I am. Leslie <laughs> <laughs> says, I don't believe it. You don't get sick of prophecy. Verily I say unto you, he that, that he shall make him ruler over his goods. But if that evil servant shall say in his heart, Lord, my Lord delayeth his coming. And shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunken. The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he is not looking for him. And in an hour he shall be not aware of. And shall cut him asunder and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Skip, skip. I don't need to point that out. Okay. <clears throat> Let's assume someone is in the room. Someone is online, somewhere down the road, someone watches this and says, okay, you have my attention. What do I have to do to be ready when this Jesus guy comes? What do I have to do so that I'm not part of that burning and then I get eternal life? I'm so glad you asked. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, great. How do we believe? The answer is found in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have to realize that we've all sinned. Before we were born, we were sinning. Ephesians 2.8.9 says, For it is by grace you are saved. In other words, it's a gift. By grace you are saved through faith, and then not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. In other words, we can't earn our way to heaven. It's a gift. It's a free gift. How do we reach out and take that gift? Romans 10, 9 and 10, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Meaning, 
We have to say with our mouth that we believe Jesus is the Christ, but we have to believe it in our heart. Yeah. <clears throat> Acts 2.38 says repent. All right, now what's repent? In my life, I was walking through life, walking through the mud and the muck, and I got, God got my attention, and I thought, okay, this is not the way to go. So I decided to clean up my life, and I'm going to turn toward Jesus. And I literally said, Lord, if you give me any other chance, I'll read your book, and from here on out, I will follow your book. That's repentance. So, let's pray this short prayer. If you want to make sure your name is in the book of life. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I confess with my mouth, and I believe in my heart. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, died on the cross, arose three days later. I receive his blood to wash my sins away, to write my name in the book of life, to keep me holy, and to save me in the day of trouble. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> now, you folks online, if you just prayed that for the very first time, and hopefully we have... We haven't had anybody email me in a long time said they prayed this. So hopefully some folks are watching that this is the first time you accept Jesus. If you did, send me an email to askstan at prophecyclub.com. And no, I didn't add the other slides here like I should have. Askstan at prophecyclub.com. Also, <clears throat> if you're in the room or you're online, let me invite you to become a member of the Spirit of Prophecy Church. What you're actually doing, yeah, okay, fine. Go online to prophecyclub.com or to spiritofprophecychurch.com. Click on it, and it has a little form you can fill out there and actually send it in and become a member of the Spirit of Prophecy Church. What you don't want to do is wind up at the pearly gates, and Jesus says, I don't know you. Part of, I think, what he wants us to do is to place our membership with him. That we do that through the prayer. We do that locally by writing down, okay, I am a member of the Spirit of Prophecy Church. I commit here. So if you haven't done that, let me invite you to become a member of our church. And I want to believe that there's blessings that follow. You get to share in the blessings that God gives us. Lord, we thank you for the word, the word this morning. We thank you for the entire weekend. We know that it is your spirit that has brought this all to us. We cast our crowns at your feet, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We ask that you would guide our footsteps this week, and that you would allow us to remember and help us to use and disseminate this information and use it to build your kingdom. Bring us souls that we can bring to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. If you're, if you're online, slide down to the bottom of the page, and there's a little blue line there. You click on that, and you can donate. If you're in here, then you slide up to the front, and there's a little blue basket, and you drop in that blue basket. I want to end with a compliment, and I said this to the group yesterday. <clears throat> Last night I was talking about it this morning. The people that follow Spirit of Prophecy Church, Prophecy Club are some of the best people in the world. I told her. I said, you know, I called 
CornerstoneAssetMetals.com is the Stan Johnson Profits Club. Oh, you and your people. I mean, what? She said, you have the best people in the world. I love to talk to Prophecy Club people. And then I said, also, you know, we get the same thing from Hyatt. So we've had four crusades over the Hyatt. Man, first time after the meeting, they, they want to talk to me. They sit down and says, first of all, we just say, we love your people. We think you have the greatest people in the world. We want you to come back. We want to work with you and your people. We love your people. I said this to Leslie this morning, and Leslie said, we hear it all the time. You guys are some of the best people. I could give you other specific incidents, but I need not go into it. What I'm saying is, it makes a difference when we're carrying the spirit of Jesus with us where we walk. People see it. And people are seeing it. And you know, I, want, I want you to receive that compliment. Say, thank you. And you online, I want you to receive the compliment. It's okay. You just say thank you. I think every once in a while we ought to know that somebody's seeing that we are a Christian. That what we're doing, what we're walking, what we're talking, and what we're not talking, what we're not doing, that we're different. This is not our home. We're just passing through. But in the meantime, we're trying to, where some people are throwing flowers, we're throwing Jesus. Every place we're throwing Jesus. And I just want to let you know that some people sometimes are seeing. Thank you. On behalf of Jesus, I say thank you. God bless you. Baskets are open. Donate at the bottom of the line is open. Thank you.